that was fun. I enjoyed seeing Alex after so many years. Um, mm-hmm. Do you mind if I do a little deep dive? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, a character <laughs> portrait. Do you mind if I paint a picture for you? No, you can do that, but you can't do a deep dive. Okay, that's fine. I'd rather paint a picture. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay, well, this week I want to talk about Yoda a little bit, if that's okay. Cool. Because if you think about it, this is one of the first times we've, well, we didn't see him. We've heard Yoda since Revenge of the Sith, canonically. Mm. Um, he doesn't show up in Rogue One. He hasn't showed up in any books or comics in between. He has, but it all took place. Um, nothing happened between Revenge of the Sith and a New Hope. Yeah, there's a cool story in a certain point of view, but that's during A New Hope. Did you read yeah. that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he's like... Well, I read the whole book, but I don't know why that's escaping me right now. Yeah, he's having like a conversation with... Oh. Uh, is it Qui-Gon? I don't remember who he's having a conversation with on Dagobah, and he's talking yeah, about no, how... it's with Qui-Gon. Yeah, how he, he there's a child who needs to be trained. There's the quote unquote new hope, and he's thinking it's Leia. Yeah, and he says he's been watching Luke, yeah. and Luke is stubborn like his father and doesn't want to train Luke. And he really hopes that it's Leia so he can train her because he doesn't like Luke very much. Yeah, I remember that. That was a good story. Yeah, that's dope. Um, we're kind of we're, we're off track. Let me pull this back <laughs> on Yoda. So we know Yoda was born 900 years before the Battle of Endor. About. And that he belongs to an ancient yet unknown species, which I'll get into in a little bit. At around the age of 100, Yoda was ready to pass on what he had learned. He had become a Padawan and been part of the, um, you know, he'd been training as a Jedi and having attained the rank of master at the year, about the age of 100. So if you think about it, it took him a while to become a master. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if Anakin became a master, oh, he never did, actually. But if Obi-Wan became a master, you know, human human years are in his late 20s. Um, I just think it's funny that it took Yoda until age 100 to become a master. I mean, maybe things were different. I don't know. Mm. But that's funny. Yeah. And he would, so he basically spends the next eight centuries <laughs> training and tutoring <laughs> generations of Jedi. And it's estimated that over his lifetime, lifetime he trained around 20,000 Jedi. Whoa. Which is crazy. If you're a lot of Jedi. That. That's a lot of flipping Jedi. Wait, so I want to think about this for a second. Didn't they say at its peak there were 100,000 Jedi? So Yoda trained 20% of all Jedi? Well, I guess no. it's... No, yeah, I guess the math is shaky. Because that's a, really. a, there were currently a hundred thousand Jedi. He could have like trained like five thousand, well, eight hundred yeah. years before Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. I, I take that back. And also, and also, it's interesting that he, you know, there's only three really notable Jedi that he's trained mm-hmm. though, which are Qui Gon, um, Dooku, and Luke. Like those are the only like notable ones that you can find. Um, hmm. I don't know, you can find others, but those are only the major ones. Anyways, his homeworld still kind of, it's unknown, and his true species name is not recorded yet. Um, but for, and like for reasons unknown, George Lucas like maintains a strict policy 
of keeping the history, name, origin, and whereabouts of his species a secret. You know, maybe that's going to change now that Disney's taken over. But this policy has resulted in even um, certain Star Wars publications being canceled. This is really vague, and I couldn't find much more information on it, but like books or comics, things that were revealing stuff about Yoda were written and then pretty much like acts like, no, I don't want to do that. But then prior to the, we can't talk about Yoda if we don't talk about Yaddle. So prior to the creation of Yaddle for The Phantom Menace, Lucasfilm actively discouraged licenses from exploring Yoda species, wishing to avoid confirming that an entire species of Yoda-like individuals were necessarily, um, they ever existed. I'm glad you're getting into this because yeah. Yaddle always bugged me. Because I, I was well, under the impression uh, I before like Yaddle. Well, yeah. And I'm going to talk know. about I'm going to talk about Yaddle right now, actually. I'm glad. I'm very but, interested in Yaddle. But the idea of it makes me like kind of bristle a little bit. Because I remember specifically before the prequels... That like this whole thing about Yoda being a secret and Yoda being the only known Yoda alien. So it was like weird that it ran. Yeah. <laughs> was it wasn't it a girl Jedi that was his species was on yeah. the council, but they never pointed out. They never do anything about it. It was very odd. Well, that's because it was kind of an accident. Almost it wasn't an accident, but they designed Yaddle originally to be Yoda. Like they're like, well, Yoda maybe should have more hair and look a little younger. <laughs> um, and they designed Yaddle, and then they were like, you know what, let's just make it like a, a another whatever Yoda species is in the movie. So then this younger-looking Yoda just became a girl species <laughs> of whatever he is called Yaddle. And um, they just plopped her into a chair in the Jedi Council. But there's some interesting stuff. Um, not all of it is canonical and I'm going to stay away from the legend stuff, but some stuff that's canonical about Yaddle, <laughs> um, cause I don't know when else I'm going to get to talk about her <laughs> is that she knew this technique called Morichu, which could slow, basically she would like slow opponents down to the point of death. Like, and I couldn't find, it's like you could slow like blood flow or like Whoa. heart rate, like everything about a person down to to if she wanted to to basically to kill them and so it's this really weird force move she had really like really slowing a person like freezing a person to the point of death <laughs> um yeah but there's some and then there are some others there's a lot of stuff in legends about her about how she like her death her death is really weird in legends where she like saves anakin and obi-wan at one point when they're really young because she pretty much jumps on a grenade, but like absorbs the grenade into her body, and that's how she dies. Huh. But that's legends. So, um, around the time of Phantom Menace, she's something like 500 years old. Um, and she was the last member of the Jedi Council to die before the Clone Wars. And her place was taken by Shock T. Hmm. So, that's interesting. Yeah. So, jumping away from Yaddle, because there's no reason. <laughs> to really talk about her, except for I think it's really fun. Um, we don't know if Yoda is the last of his species, but as far as we know, um, he's the last canonical member of them to die. Um, as for his parents and ancestors, we have one clue. <laughs> <laughs> when asked what species Yoda is, George Lucas has only joked with two things. He's a frog. <laughs> 
And in the documentary From Puppets to Pixels, he joked that Yoda is the illegitimate child of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a weird dad that. joke. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> So that's all we have. That's awesome. So, you know, it's mostly silly. But during the time of Rebels, um, he's kind of he's isolated on Dagobah. And he's able to see the Jedi who are active in the Force, apparently in like a meditative state. He's able to see this, but he can't see Jedi who have forsaken the ways of the Jedi path. Mm. So he can't like sit in and like, you know, Skype with Anakin because he's forsaken the Jedi path. Interesting. But he could keep a mental contact with like the Jedi temples across the galaxy, such as the one on Lothal and telepathic, telepathically converse with any Jedi within them. So they act as like force hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, and he was never active, actively able to have force visions. Uh, I mean, he was. For, he, he, he does have force visions, but was not limited to, um, and didn't just have random spontaneous ones, but he's able to like kind of jump in. So he's able, that's how he's able to communicate with Ezra because they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, however, he understood the force prophecy was not absolute and that the future was always in motion. Kind of in, I see Yoda in opposition of Qui-Gon. Like Qui-Gon is a very dogmatic, almost medical view of the force. Mm -hmm. You know, when the Jedi were really at the peak of their hubris, kind of. And I see Yoda being on the other side, him, his isolation in Dagobah. And in spite of all of his ability, the diminutive Jedi Master was ultimately unable to defeat Palpatine during that so final duel. So sad. And he was forced to live in exile to fight another day. Hmm? So that's just, uh, you know, and there's tons to say about Yoda, but not a lot of it is new. Yeah. Um, but those are some of just kind of the um, salient points of things that I thought would be pertinent to this episode. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was really yeah. interesting. Usually I yeah, just I say it's interesting, but I don't mean it. That time it was actually interesting. Cool. <laughs> interesting that you said that. <laughs> just kidding. Sure. Hey, all right. So I need your help on this one. I need sure. like what's something that's like really, really deep, like unlimited power. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like not unlimited a... power. You don't know what that means? No, I do. But like, how's that deep? Okay, wait. Ask me again. Sorry. Okay. Like I, I usually use examples of things that are deep, but I need something that's like really deep this time. Sure. The galaxy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I'll go okay. with that. Okay. Re reverb me. <laughs> Don't worry, I did. We're about to get as deep as the galaxy. E, 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 e. Um, because. 
Um, I was going to, I was going to just talk about the force in this episode because there's a lot of cool force mysticism stuff and I'm really into it. Sure. But the more I looked into, there's just too much to cover in one deep dive. And I already talk way too much in this podcast. So I'm going to start a series. It's not going to be every single episode, but we'll drop it in every couple episodes, a series on the force. So this is when this is the first session in professor Peter's force series. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. So there are two sides of the force. Do you know what they are, Mike? I mean, the dark side and the light side wrong. They're the living force and the cosmic force. So the dark side oh, and light that totally side came up in the. You're pulling this from Clone Wars, aren't you? Yeah, there's some really cool trippy stuff that I'm about to get into. So the, the a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people talk about the light side and the dark side. I think Alex alluded to it in this episode about you know there being gray Jedi and different types of the Force, and there are lots of different religions and different philosophies on the Force, but they're all tapping into the same Force. So a dark side user is using the same Force as a light side user. They're just using it in different ways. But what there is, hmm. is there's the living force and there's the cosmic force. So the living force is the energy between all living things. Um, okay. This energy flows into the cosmic force, which is the power that holds the galaxy together and communicates through the Medichlorians. So I like to think of the cosmic force as almost like the laws of physics um, and the living force being like an energy that powers it, kind of like if gravity needed some sort of ev like energy to operate. Um, but as I mentioned, there are lots of philosophies on the force, but I'm mainly going to stick to the traditional view of the force from a Jedi perspective for now. But cool. before we get into that, I think we should mention the controversial midi-chlorians. So, yeah, I know, and I know you've brought this up before, but you, you have a theory. I don't know if you want to mention it about... Well, yeah, I mean, super quickly, basically, it's just midi-chlorians are just Qui-Gon's theory of the Force. It's not necessarily like a, a hard and fast midi-chlorians are what make you a Force user. It's just he was, he's a very medical, surgical kind of guy. And that's um, just how he viewed the force. So it's just mm -hmm. his theory. Yeah, totally. Um, so. And Lucas backs that up. Well, that, that was what was interesting. I like that reading of it. And I think that that's a pretty valid. And I'll get into some of the things that go into that. But I actually couldn't find any quotes from George Lucas talking about that. I might have just missed it. So we can revisit this later if, I, if we find it later. But what I did learn is midichlorians are not a new concept. George Lucas actually mentioned them in 1977 and wanted to include them in A New Hope. Um, and there's also a Clone Wars episode that makes it pretty clear that midichlorians are canon. So they do exist. What is controversial about them is what people's interpretation of what they mean. Um, there's this planet where they originate. Yoda goes there and according to Qui-Gon and the people on like the people on this planet, the Medichlorians are an intelligent, which I thought was really weird, microscopic organism that lived within beings and allowed people to connect to the living force and allowed the living force to connect to the cosmic force. So it's kind of like the pathways between all the different aspects of the force. They are measurable. Um, and every living being has at least one midichlorian, 
but Qui-Gon Jinn was obsessed with them, as you mentioned, and he was very scientific. So you're totally right on that. And he was convinced that a high midichlorian count leads to a high potential force power. Others like Yoda and uh, Mace Windu weren't convinced that there was a correlation. Um, but in 18 BBY, the spirit of Qui-Gon Jinn spoke to Yoda, which was a big deal because no one had ever communicated from death before. Um, it turns out that Qui-Gon had learned the secrets of immortality through the spirit of the force, but his training was incomplete. So he contacted Yoda and instructed him to go to Dagobah because it's a uniquely strong planet yeah. in the power of the force. And that would be the starting point for Yoda to complete Qui-Gon's training and discover the secret of everlasting life. A little cool tie back to this episode, actually. Um, I just watched the episode where Yoda learned all this. And when, because Qui-Gon can't become a fully fledged force ghost, he guides Yoda through the force using those twinkly lights we see in this episode that those same ones that guide um, Ezra. Hmm. So on Dagobah, the force guided Yoda to another hidden planet with five priestesses that took the form of all aspects of the force. So each yeah, priestess. That's great. Yeah, this is what you were talking about, about yeah. Clone Wars. It's a cool episode. Yeah, the, super cool. Yeah. And yeah, controversial, but cool. Yeah, totally. Because I know a lot of people who really don't like almost this kind of Greek mythology interpretation of the force and maybe not greek mythology but like it's becomes more i don't know do you know what i'm do you, do you know what i'm trying to yeah. say yeah no i get it because i think when midichlorians were introduced a lot of people were upset because it's bringing a scientific view into a like metaphysical and spiritual thing um but yeah. the other hand is a lot of these people and I fall into this camp. Like I don't believe in a lot of spirituality and I don't believe in a lot of mysticism. So it's a weird conflict within me where, you know, in real life, I don't think any of this, this I think this stuff is a little not, I'm not, I'm not going to be offensive. I'm just, I, I don't believe in that stuff. But when it comes to my star Wars, I'm like, no medichlorians. It's only spirituality and religion. So it's like a weird push and pull between different factions, but then also within oneself. But that being mm. said, there are these five priestesses, um, and they are all they take. They can they're shapeshifters, and they take forms that represent all the different parts of the force. So serenity, joy, anger, confusion, and sadness. And these five priestesses put Yoda through a bunch of tests to see if he's worthy of learning the secrets that Qui Gon Jinn only partially learned. He passed the trials mm. and unlocked the secret. Everlasting life and ended up passing it to Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm still not really sure how Anakin learned it, but whatever, we'll just roll with it. Um, sure. another th like, so according to George Lucas, though the Force is available to all people, it is easier for some to tap into than others. So I thought that was interesting. He very specifically said while making the original movies that. Everyone has the ability to tap into the force, but some people 
It's either hard for them or they don't bother. He likened it to yoga. <laughs> um, hmm. So an example of this would be some individuals like Yoda or Anakin have a natural ability to connect with the Force, but people like Chirrut Unwe from Rogue One has like some aptitude with the Force, like he can sense things, um, and he has, obviously has some sort of connection with the Force, but he had to devote himself completely to the study and practice of it only to demonstrate like the most basic of force powers. Um, hmm. Also the power to use the force can be passed down family lines. Um, but force sensitive children can be born to parents with little force power. I did a little research, but it is unclear to me whether you can be a force squib, meaning oh, you have two yeah. parents from Harry Potter. Yeah. From Harry Potter. So that means you have two parents that are really strong in the force but then they give birth to a child that is not strong in the force yeah yeah um so that's just a quick i mean this is a quick primer to kind of lay the foundations of what the force is before we get well, into before the before you move on can i say can i say a couple things about midichlorians just like two quick notes sure um yeah um first of all here's one of the reasons i'm not a big fan of midichlorians okay Lucas, who does borrow a lot from a lot of people, you know, from Kurosawa, from, you know, he's big on um, the Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. I feel like he's taking midichlorians directly from those stupid flipping books, um, A Wrinkle in Time, whatever that, the series of books. I don't even know what the series of books is called. I know that is a series of books, but I'm not. Yeah. I am not familiar but with But in that. those books, um, something super, super similar is mentioned. And I know they came out in 1970. The second the second one where they're talked about came out in 1973. So it predates A New Hope. Um, and they're even called something similar to Metachlorians in that book. Mm. Um, but I don't know. But it just raises questions. Metachlorian just raised so many questions with me. Because it moves away from this like energy field, this cosmic thing, and like if midichlorians are real, it's like does the dark side of the force have different? I don't know. Like, do midichlorians are they affected like by your personality or like because when you're on the dark side of the force, so do midichlorians are they different for you so than that's... the light side midichlorians and like. I don't know. So we'll get into some of this stuff as I go deeper down the rabbit hole of like the mysticism, how different people use the force. This is kind of just a primer to set the stage of what the force is before we go into, you know, class number two and three. But um, one of the things that I think a lot of people got mad about because it wasn't explained very well is that midi-chlorians aren't the force. Um, They just... You know, it's still debatable about what role they play in force powers. But according to Qui-Gon Jinn, for example, he would say that it allows someone to connect to the force. So it's I'm trying to think of like a good example. It's like like using jumper cables, like you need to get power from one place to another place. So you connect them with jumper cables and the metachlorians are jumper cables. Um, so hmm. in your example, like a Sith person would have metachlorians and use that to tap into the same force as a jedi they just use a different aspect of the force for their power like emotion and fear and aggression 
whereas a Jedi taps into the same force using, you know, calmness and serenity and, and peace to get their power. Um, and it, it led mm. to a ton of conflicts, which I'm really excited to get into in different uh, chapters. But I know what you mean, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, like in real life, if someone was like, you know, this person was healed by the power of their shock chakra in the third eye, I'd be like, stupid. But then like, if it happens in a movie I love, I'm like, no, take the science out of this, this movie. I, I only want mysticism. Um, and maybe that's part of the escapism yeah. I'm looking for. I don't know. Cause, uh, metachlorians don't bug me very much. I like, I, I kind of like the science of it, but I could tell, I know why people are upset about it. Yeah. I guess they bug me because we already had an explanation. We already had an explanation. We didn't need a second contradicting explanation. What explanation? Because, are you referring to? Well, I mean, we already knew that, I mean, Yoda explains the force in Empire Strikes Back, what it is, how it, you know, penetrates us and binds us and, well, I mean, that's yeah. Ben saying that in A New Hope, but you know, like, this is what the force is and how it works and how it connects and binds us. It's a, this living energy, right? We, he explained it well and it didn't, you weren't like, well, what's, I, after watching the first movie, I never was like what's the force? I don't understand it. Can someone explain to me yeah. further? So the only reason I would like metachlorians is if they're being used to show how far the Jedi have fallen. So if that's not why they're being used, then I'm, I don't like them, but I don't know. That's, that's all. Yeah, I get it. I think that they can live in harmony, but I get, I get from a writing perspective. I think they're a bad idea. Yeah. Now that they are Canon, I think the explanation is okay. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll debate Metaclorians many yeah. times. Oh man, we 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 we've been talking for a while this episode. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Cool. All right. Well, let's say thank you to Alex. Yeah. It was yeah. really fun. Check check out his show, Black Series Rebels. I really, really yeah. love it. I freaking order his pins. Um, I'm they make the most amazing pins. His buddy Cody Williams designs these freaking awesome pins. They sell out in like ten minutes. So you have to yeah. buy them with like at 9 a.m. when they release them on like on a Saturday morning once a month buy these freaking pins I have every single <laughs> one yeah um, they're great they're amazing um, follow them on Instagram to see those pins and get alerted of them and then also follow us on Instagram that would be swell as well um, cool yeah and uh, check us out we're on Twitter Instagram Facebook at Rebels Rebels Pod or Gmail at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com and uh, until next time be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Booyah. See you.